Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Okay. Well, we are starting our uh, Advent series, and, uh, and we're calling it Wild Night because Christmas is um, absolutely insane, right? I don't know if I'm the only one. It brings stuff out of us, like, that doesn't always come out of us. Like, for instance, um, Winter Family, nice to see you. Uh, uh, I was uh, riding home, and I was listening to uh, this, um, this biblical radio station. I don't know how you tell it. And it was this, this guy and this gal, and they were going over their naughty and nice list for organizations of, like, hey, here's organizations you should give your money to. Here's who you shouldn't. And... Um, I got in at the end, and they were talking about how Target is on the, the naughty list. And maybe some of you already know this. And they're like, uh, it was like someone, like, like, murdered their pet is how they were responding. And you know that Target has a nutcracker that's wearing the pride flag? You're trying to take the nutcracker from us now? And then it went from, like, 13 to 1,000. And they're like, and Target has a Santa Claus that is black and that is in a wheelchair. And they were like so angry. And I'm like, what is going on, my man? <laughs> Chill out, right? Because they felt like that was a threat to Christmas. And we got to keep Christ in Christmas. And even though Santa has nothing to do with the Christ, and they, they, I'm like, this is an, a, a way of being, right? Um, for then, then you have like you have to buy gifts for people, and I don't know if you're like me, where I'm very cheap, and so I feel bad if like I spend too much money on a present, but I also feel bad if I don't spend enough on presents. So there's like no winning for me. I'm just like, all right, here we go. And then you have to play the game of like, well, do we get like my my cousin Ryan a gift, right? But he didn't get us a gift last year. Doesn't mean we still give a gift. Do we give a gift and hope that we're gonna get a gift, right? And you're playing this game, and you have to go around and ask everyone, is this a good gift? Is this a good gift, right? Is this a good gift, right? And they're like, because you don't want a bad one. You only want good ones. So you spend a lot of time making sure you get the good ones. And then you go to, like, Christmas parties. You got a work party. You got a friend party. You got a family party. And then you have, like, we, we're kind of friends. I don't know. We're kind of friends of friends. And so you, like, make up an excuse not to go to the party. But then you find out in the same night there's another party happening that you didn't get invited to. Then you get angry and hurt. Even though you didn't want to go to the party, you just want to be invited to the party. You actually not show up at the party. Am I the only one who feels that way? All right, I want to be invited to all the things so I can tell you no, because it makes me, makes me great satisfaction. Right? Like I go to, uh, when I used to go to conferences for uh, work, I would skip at least one session because I found out I have get great joy out of skipping stuff because I never got to skip school because my dad was a teacher at the school, so he knew if I'd skip, right? Um, um, what am I talking about? And then we eat like <laughs> 20, 20 pounds of butter. And then at Christmas, you have like four weeks. We get only these like 20 movies that you can watch and like 17 Christmas albums. You can't listen to them on November 1st or you get canceled, right? So you try watching these average at best movies in a matter of like four weeks. Like, has anyone ever seen the movie Mixed Nuts with Steve Martin? Anyone? Am I? Okay, it's horrible. Don't watch it, right? But my kids... Every year, like, Dad, are we going to watch Mixed Nuts? Because they know that I hate it. And so they're like, let's watch it, Dad. And, all right, so we have all this, oh, ooh, yikes. So you have all this, um, uh, all this pressure. And my favorite one, right, we are actually, it's kind of sad, we're out of the season of going to um, uh, Christmas concerts. Like, our kids have aged out. 
Um, but when I was in it, I, you know what, I'm a big fan of all your kids, big fan of your kids. I just don't want to listen to your kids sing. I only want to listen to my kids sing, and then I want to go. So I, I hope that uh, music teachers are listening. I came up with the best idea possible, or ever. We should do like a fantasy football draft of what classes go first for Christmas carols, right? And the way you get picked first is whoever raises the most amount of money for that class. And all the money goes to the music department. We'd raise tens of thousands of dollars because I would organize to make sure that my kids go one, two, and three so I can peace out, right, and then leave. Isn't that a great idea? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Christmas is, Christmas is uh, wild. And you have expectations, you have hidden expectations, there's things that your family wants of you, and there's things you want of your family, and there's things that you hope you avoid, and there's things that you tolerate, and all of it belongs. But in the midst of it, all of a sudden we can see the nativity scene, all right? I think we have a picture of the nativity scene, right? You have the, the, the nativity scene, yeah, look at that, right? And you have like six-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus, right? And you got Mary, like white Mary, just looking at her white son, and and she's like, I just gave birth to you. Look at that. And I'm totally content. And I can do this because I just gave birth, right? And then you have Joseph. And he's like, I don't even know why I'm here. It's not my kid, all right? It's true, right? He's like, do I have to go to his Christmas concert if it's not my kid, right? And then you have, like, in other nativity scenes, you have, like, the shepherd, right? The shepherds are there. And they brought the, the sheep with them. I don't know why, right? But they're there. And uh, Mary's looking at them like, I don't know why you're here. And then you have, like, the three wise men, uh, which is usually, like, where you get your diversity in the, the, right? And even then they make the, even the wise men, they make them white as well. And then you have the animals that are there, and the animals are like, we're just happy to not be butchered, and we're not outside, we're not really inside, but we're here for all of it because we like frankincense and myrrh. Then you have, like, the drummer boy, right, which doesn't make sense with Silent Night and a drummer boy. You can have only one or the other, right? So you have that tension between the two. And it brings us some sort of, like, calmness in the midst of chaos. In the midst of it, we can look at it and say, oh, yeah, this is why we do Christmas. And it feels good. Why? Because we have a fixed narrative in our mind that this is good, right? There's just one problem, Valdez, is all of that is a lie. <laughs> this, this is not even true at all, right? But we like it because it can bring us some calmness in the chaos. Everything about what happened on that night, right, and even in the biblical story, is absolutely insane and chaotic, right? For instance, even just go to the beginning. Only um, Matthew and Luke, right, are the only ones that talk about a virgin birth, John doesn't even, like, reference that Jesus was even born. Where, like, Jesus just showed up to John. Like, he just existed. Um, and in Matthew and Luke, they start with genealogies of, this is so good, genealogies of Jesus. And Matthew, there's 14 generations because 14th uh, is the sign of um, royalty, right? And then you have um, Luke, who's all the way back to Adam. You think that would be, like, an important part, Right? And Matthew and Luke are like, we have totally different lines of genealogy, and we don't care, right? And there's, like, reasons why, but it's, it's wild. If you, like, never read the Bible before, and you looked at it, you're like, why do they have two different lines? And this doesn't make sense. And you're like, well, we shouldn't really do this anymore. And people are like, it's true. The Bible says it. I believe it. Then, in that story, there's also a, a guy who gets muted, 
right? An angel mutes him. There is, uh, there's babies that are flipping in stomachs. There is King Herod who um, orders to kill thousands of babies, right? That's in the Christmas story. There's a star that comes out of nowhere that a bunch of people are like, hey, we should go check out what that star is doing, right? They go do that. Um, there is Mary who hops, nine months pregnant, hops on a donkey and travels a long way. And we say, oh, that's cute, right? There is a guy who has a prophecy that says, I can't die. I cannot die until I see Jesus, right? And he's an old man. And all of a sudden in the story, they see Jesus, or he sees Jesus, and you're like, this guy is going to die now, right? It's kind of sad, right? <laughs> there is absolute chaos that's happening in this story, which is really good news because there's chaos that's happening in me. And there's times that we feel like we, we need to have the, like, the nativity scene in our life. We have to have it figured out. We have to have it like rolling with the homies, right? Anyone of my 90s friends, right? We, we want it just to be simple. We want it to be straight. We want it to be fi a fixed narrative. We want to be able to know exactly what we're going to get. And there's times in life like that, but more often than not, it's wild. And the good news is that we can still find some belonging in that wildness. And I was, uh, this week, I got together with some friends and, um, Something happened in our house that uh, uh, was surprising, and it stressed me out. And I'm with my friends, and I'm like, like, when do we become real adults? <laughs> right? And I don't know if I'm the only one. I'm like, I'm, I'm 43. Yeah, I'm 43, right? I'm like, I'm 20-year-old quit. Quiz. 24-year-old. Oh, that's so funny. 24-year-old Chris would look at 43-year-old Chris and say, I think I have to fight you. I think this is how the rules work, right? Of like, this, there's still things that surprise me. I'm like, I should have this figured out. And so I'm telling my friends, I'm like, I, I still react this way. I don't know why. When am I really going to grow up? And they laughed, and they shared their stories of like, yeah, this is still happening to me, and this is how I responded. And we laughed, but it felt good because I felt seen. I felt included. I felt normal. I'm like, oh, maybe all of us are just making it up as we go along, right? Maybe we're all just trying to make it another day. Maybe we're all trying to survive. And to me, this is the Christmas story. It's a group of people that are all over the place who are trying to figure it out. And in the chaos, in the middle of, you know, Silent Night and Drummer Boy and Donkeys and, right, like, <laughs> and the stars and all of that, there is still something good. Like the, 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 the presence of a good and beautiful God, the incarnation of the person of Jesus is still good news. And we don't need to have the tame life in order to have a good and beautiful life. In the midst of a dumpster burning in within, right, I can still find value and I'm still good and I'm still beautiful. So my, my invitation to this whole entire Advent series is... Maybe you're having the feels with family, friends, finances, Christmas, job, job loss, whatever it might be. Um, maybe in the Advent readings, maybe in one of the songs that we sing, maybe in one of the characters I reference, maybe in world's greatest announcements, you might, something might find you some inspiration in this holiday season. And I hope that you can find that so that we can continue to make it up as we go along, and we can continue to be good and beautiful people. And where we start is with Mary, uh, and we're going to read Mary's song. But before we actually get to that, the wildness I want to invite you into, and maybe no one's ever 
gave you permission before, right? And I like this word of, like, you have permission to. Um, even in the story of Mary, there is chaos, right? Because maybe you read the story of Mary, and it says that she was a virgin, that Jesus was born of a virgin birth. And in the world I grew up in, it was all binary. It was, Bible says it, I believe it. And if it's true, then it's good. And if it's good, then it's holy. And like, again, 24-year-old Chris, um, I, I think it was around 24, I read that story again, and I'm like, this doesn't make sense, right? Like, like there's a little red flag here of like, how many women did God impregnate? Is this just the one and someone caught him and wrote the story down? Seriously, right? Why do we think if God can impregnate people, why only one? And I'm like, this, this is odd. And, like, we're all just saying that it has to be true. And we're all saying that this is good. And no one, like, looking around normal is like, anyone going to say, like, this is kind of odd or this is kind of weird? But I never had that choice, right? Because if it's binary, if it's, if it's good and it's holy and it's true, that means even if there's a little bit that might be embellished, therefore it's wrong and it's bad and it's evil. So you have to, like, convince yourself and have certainty that it really, really is true. And so you have permission here. If you believe that story and you literally believe of a virgin birth, that's amazing. If that brings you value and inspiration and love and, um, and value to keep being your fullest self, what, there's absolutely room to hold that belief in this space, that neighborhood. But also, multiple things can exist side by side. Multiple truths can be true at once. If you're in a place of where you're like, I don't need that to be true in order to see the person of Jesus. I don't need that to be literally true in order to move and worship a good and beautiful God. There's space for you as well. Because, like, um, the people who wrote the Bible, like, like Luke, I imagine, is more than just Luke. It's probably a, a community of people that wrote that letter uh, with John. And they have a, uh, a desired result in writing these letters, right? They weren't writing to Chris in 2023. They were writing to a group of people. Like the reason, even back to genealogy, Matthew is writing to a very um, a Jewish uh, crowd, and that's why he goes with the 14 generations. Luke, in the, uh, letter, Luke's letter and also to Luke, a book of Acts, he's trying to go to this widely expansive group of people to convince them of the majesty of Christ. So they're going to go two very different directions with a similar endpoint, if that makes sense. And so um, when they're writing it, they weren't, like, writing a, a true crime podcast, right? They weren't writing, like, a HBO documentary that's supposed to be historically accurate. That is not how they wrote things. They wrote stories to have a, tell bigger stories. So it would not be against, go against the grain for them to embellish. That's just what they did. And so if they are writing about a virgin birth, like, the story of Buddha, Buddha was born of a virgin birth. The Greek mythology, the heroes, a lot of heroes were born of a virgin birth. Why? Because they're trying to tell a story, something is in the air. They're trying to tell there is this human, and the way they came here is, like, abnormal. Why? Because what they're going to tell you is abnormal. They want to set up, set up this character of whatever they're about to do, like, they're one of us, but they're just a little bit different, because what they're inviting you is something different. Does that make sense? So you can, like, hold all those things at once, and find belonging in the Christmas story. So throughout this, everything we're reading, there is absolute wildness to be able to interpret and find belonging and truth and uh, belonging, or I said belonging, and inclusiveness in the way that it makes you feel holy and sacred. So, Mary. This is uh, 
a merry song. And Nikki, you, I stepped outside. You already read this, right? Yeah, I'm going to read it again. So this is from Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For they have been uh, mindful of the humble state of their servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is their name. Their mercy extends to those who fear them from generation to generation. They have performed mighty deeds with their arm. They've scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. They have brought down rulers from their thrones, but have lifted up the humble. They have filled the hungry with good things, but have sent the rich away empty. They have helped their servants Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and their descendants forever, just as they have promised our ancestors. So I think I say this in every series that I start, um, but this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. <laughs> I, I love it, and, and, and here's why. Is for whatever reason, um, the, this Luke community chose a song. It could have been Mary's podcast. It could have been Mary's TikTok. It could have been Mary's dissertation. It could have been Mary's blog. It could have been Mary's essay. It could have been Mary's walk and talk, Right? And they chose a song. And why a song? Because a song is meant to evoke a feeling. When you hear a song, when you listen to a song, there's, there's an energy, there's a flow, there's a beat, right? There's a groove, and you get in that pocket, and you can vibe with it. You can, you can run with it. And what Mary is doing is trying to communicate something that is more than just information. She's communicating an energy. She's trying to invite you into this experience of transformation. And what's happening here, right, is a hero of faith is talking. And when you think about heroes of faith, majority of us would probably think of Abraham, Moses. We'd think of men. And why? Because it was mostly men. Patriarchy uh, was alive and well. We have overcome that thanks to Barbie, right? We know that's gone, right? I'm just, I'm just joking, right? Patriarchy is alive and well. And when you're swimming in those waters, it's where it's all you can see, right? So they're going to say men are the helpers. And in this song, in this story, Mary is singing a song of transformation, and she does not need help from any man. It is a woman that is singing a song of power and liberation, and no man is even needed, right? Even in this, in this context of the story, no man is even present. It's just her. And she is saying, this body, this blood, this muscles, this uterus, is transforming the world. And we cannot forget that. We can't miss it. So often we just go right to Jesus, right? There would be no Jesus. There would be no Christ narrative. There would be none of this if it wasn't for the strong, independent, beautiful woman who's using her body to bring life to all creation. We cannot miss that. And what Mary is singing is a song that is incredibly uh, political, and usually, like, I just told this joke, uh, uh, I was introducing myself to a new group of people, I'm like, hey, my two favorite things to talk about are religion and politics, and you're not supposed to talk about them in public. So I'm kind of like a public buzzkill. Yeah, thank you. No one laughed at the other one. Too, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm walking, oh, here comes Chris. So, um, like, you're not, people say, oh, well, you're not supposed to talk about politics in church. And here's the thing. Um, when people say, hey, can we just not talk about politics, are usually the demographic of people that benefit most from the current politics. So if you talk about it or you disrupt it, well, that would means they would lose power. Um, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but I'm going to. Um, when we first started talking about 
privilege in our church. We had um, our biggest donor of the church, and he came up to me. He goes, hey, hey, Chris, can we just, like, like stop hating on the white guy? Can we just, like, lay off the white guy for a little bit? And I looked at him, and I said, I don't think you know me, <laughs> right? And why is he saying that? Because he benefits by us not talking about the white guy. He benefits and thrives by the status quo. And so here, Mary is singing a very political song. Why? Because she recognizes, right? She recognizes we have created this system that has let the beautiful people call themselves beautiful. And in fact, by calling them the beautiful people, you've left out all these other people. And Mary, when she says, we're going to dismantle this system, the system that is set up to keep people in the cold, to keep people in the dark, Mary says, through my body, I love that, through this body, we're going out into the dark, we're going out into the cold, and we're bringing people back, into the, back to the table. Because that is who Jesus is. And part of uh, what I believe, this might be controversial, right? Um, part of why I think Jesus is who he is, right, is because of Mary. Jesus heard that song in the womb. Jesus heard from an early age of what liberation and justice looks like, right? Things are better caught than taught. Jesus was in a place with a strong human, a strong woman, who from day one was saying, this is what love does. And this is what got Jesus killed. Jesus didn't just die for our sins. Jesus died because he went around and reminded people that they're good. Jesus went around and told the quiet stuff out loud of saying, you are included, you have value, you are beautiful, you are strong, you're in. And the group of people actually believed it. They just didn't believe it, they actually embodied it. And they started showing up in rooms. I almost swore for the first time. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, it, it, people believed it. And it's a powerful thing when people can awaken to what is true. It transforms a neighborhood, it transforms a community, and I believe it can transform the world. And that's what got Jesus killed. And where did, it's okay, we'll, we'll, no, we'll figure it out, I'm, I'm wrapping up anyways. Um, um, and Jesus heard that from Mary. I do believe he heard it from God as well, right? But we can't excuse, we can't dismiss that what Mary is doing is very, very political. So this, I'll just, I'll just end here. Maybe some of you have been told to be quiet. I imagine there were some people, as Mary maybe sang this song a couple, 13, 14 times, like, hey, Mary, maybe you can just, like, leave that song at home. This is work. We don't talk about those things. Maybe someone has told you, can we just, like, can you not, like, show affection to each other at this party? You know, my parents feel uncomfortable with that. Maybe someone told you, like, hey, can you just, like, not talk about this at work? Can you just not, like, bring this subject up at this party? Maybe someone told you, can you just, like, stay seated? Can you just please, like, you, maybe you should smile more, right? Just smile a little more. The world's a beautiful place. Just be happy, right? Maybe you have been told that you have to stay small. The song of Mary is an invitation for us to be our fullest self, to wake up, to stand up, to speak up, to show up, to use our voice, maybe to use our body. 
Maybe you have this belief that your body is small, your body is useless, or your body is weak. Your body is strong. And when you can come in contact and touch and believe that your body is of value and it's beautiful, it's strong, we can transform neighborhoods. But you have to believe it. So through this wildness of Christmas season, I hope, like Mary, you can see the, the systems that we've created you can see the injustice, and we can begin to use our voice and our bodies to dismantle them. And where I end, and I leave you, and I'll pray, and we'll put some music on, is a quote that I love from Howard Thurman. And this might be for some of you. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So, God, we love you. And I thank you for Mary's song. I thank you for the fierceness of that song, the political nature of that song, and the liberation of that song. And that song did not die with her, that song is still being played in the background. And I ask that we will, like, we can, like, hear that distant hum. We can hear that chorus. We can hear that verse. And we could turn it up. And that we can participate in that song as we go through this Christmas season. Yeah, we can eat butter. We can watch dumb movies. We can sing other songs. But that song would be present most of liberation and inclusion and of power, of mercy and justice. So use us, God. Help us be alive to that. Use our bodies. Use our leadership. Yeah. We love you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for being in this space with me, friends. I hope you have a great weekend. If there's something you want to process, something you'd like to pray about, or something you'd like to call me a heretic, you can come up at any point, and we can, we can do that together. Thank you. Yeah.